Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Holdcast. Chad Grimsley alongside Robert Lintot, as always, for 7500tohold.com. And another great performance, but it ended in a loss, Robert. Yeah, not exactly what you want to see. Um, you know, in the past two weeks, Villa have played their best football of the season. And uh, while the win in the semifinal was nice, boy, that win against Manchester City could have been useful. Yeah, I, I mean, I really think it would have... We probably would be guaranteed safety at this point. Villa still with 32 points and minus 22 in the goal difference. A win against City would have put us just ahead of Newcastle all the way up to 14th. Yeah. Um, you, you would have had to have thought that Villa would be safe at that point. And, you know, despite the fact that we lost, and usually from that sort of a situation you're going, oh, I wish we could have gotten the draw, um, you know, that win was very much in the cards. Yeah, I think a draw at the minimum would have been what Villa deserved. Yeah, absolutely. But, um, you know, you had that Benteke offside, not offside call uh, go against us, and then minutes later the stupid mistake on the corner to give City the lead. Um, you know, that's a two-goal swing right there, in which that this match could have very easily ended 3-2, but in Villa's favor instead of City's. Yeah, it was just kind of like the swing that happened in Burnley-Leicester, where... Burnley had a penalty, hit it off the post, and a minute later, Leicester go down and score. But we'll talk a little bit about our relegation rivals later. But, yeah, I mean, just stupid mistakes costing Villa goals at, at this point and points, really. Like, started off, Guzan, probably the worst goal you'll ever see Villa give away. Yeah. yeah. God knows. Um, you know, a simple clearance, a, a, a kick that you honestly would expect – a U8 player to be able to make. And Guzan just duffs it. Yeah, I mean, he hit it into his other leg. How is that even possible? <laughs> I mean, I've hit shots like that in golf, so I can sympathize with the guy. But, you know, there's shot, There's times where you're just like, I, I don't know how that happened. And it but just, you haven't played golf every day since you're, like, 12. Yeah, it's true. I'm also not the uh, the first golfer for the U.S. national team. Or for a professional team, for that matter. Um, yeah. But I, I was so torn between being angry and just being really super sympathetic. Um, because we all make really boneheaded, dumb mistakes. It just so happens that when you're a goalkeeper and you do that, it generally leads to a goal. Yeah, and exactly. It's And it's just because he was trying too hard, honestly, I feel like, too. We, we saw the replays of how... Well, first, Guzan had his arms up and Vlar shouldn't have played it back to him because he was in a lot of space. Second, Guzan could have just played it back to Vlar. Yeah. And he could third, have. why yeah, why are you needing to try to switch the play, especially when you're very left footed? Yeah, it was it was a little bit odd to see that happen. Um but it you know, at the time I was livid and on the day of the match I blamed all three goals on Guzan and looking yeah, back I, I think I did that as well. I think that might have been a little unfair to the guy. Um, but if you think about it, if you put it in perspective, that screwed up pass was no worse than a lot of what we've seen this year from any of our Villa players, from Charles and Zogbia countless times, from you know Carlos Sanchez countless times. The problem is it wasn't in the midfield. It wasn't where there were seven other players around. It was with Sergio Aguero right there. Yeah, the top-scoring striker in the league. And like you're saying, just a really bad area of the pitch to make that egregious of an error. Yeah, and, I, I mean, like, stuff Richardson's done, you can get away with it. And, I mean, that, stu that stuff's going to happen, unlucky bounce. But 
Yeah. I mean, it just, so, it just I mean, kind of deflated the team for at least a good point of the first half and then started playing a little better. Yeah, it was, I don't know, it was kind of interesting. There, Richard Yallop today, I think it was Richard Yallop, uh, tweeted some statistic, yeah, it was Richard Yallop, um, that Guzan is, let me grab it up here, it was on Twitter, Guzan uh, is one of only five keepers to have made more than 100 saves this season, and his 63 saves from attempts inside the penalty area is the fourth best tally in the league. Um, you know, he's not been bad this year. He's had a rough couple of weeks. He's not looked like the Brad Guzan we know. He's still one of the top five or ten keepers in the league. Yeah, people were saying he's not in the top half. I saw a comment the other day, he's not been in the top half for a while, and I was like, oh, I don't know, he kind of saved us, maybe not last year, but the year before for sure. La- yeah, I, mean, last year, and I mean, last year was a big part of it. And, and look at performances against, like, Spurs. I know he wasn't challenged that much, but he held his own against Spurs, against Harry Kane, the most prolific English striker since Emil Heskey. Uh, but but all the people calling for Shea Given, like he wasn't challenged a whole lot against Liverpool, Burnmouth, anyone in the cup. Yeah, absolutely. It's um, it's one of those situations where if Tim Sherwood put in Shea Given, I wouldn't be angry. I would get it. No, no, and I mean, what you need to send a message to Guzan. It's not like he's in the position of someone like Grealish who's just got into the team, you know. Yeah, I, I don't a think while. a message needs to be sent. I exactly. think he knows what he did. Yeah, he, he does, and obviously he feels terrible about it. Yeah, I'm sure. Um, if if there was any hope of him playing the final at Wembley, I'm pretty sure that's gone. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, unless he just goes for some superhuman performances the next couple weeks, you know, yeah. like clean clean sheets at the way out. If, if Guzan has four clean sheets to end the season and you don't start him at Wembley, I'm going to have a problem with that. It could be, yeah. Um, but it, it's one of those things where if he gets replaced, I'm not going to be angry, but I also don't think he should get replaced. He's been a solid keeper all year. He's been strong in what he does. Um, it was just a bad game from him. Yeah, and, and like you were saying, you blamed him for all three goals. I did too at the time. I mean, I think part of part of setting up a wall, the, I mean, the goalie's responsible for it. And Richardson, I don't know what was going on in his brain, but – yeah, to be fair, that wall was set up okay. It was Richardson looking at the ball and going, oh, God, I don't want anything to do with that, and leaning away from He was standing where he needed to be. It would have hurt like hell because it would have hit him in the damn face, but. Yeah, you know, but, like, if. I do, don't know. do this instead of this. And and suddenly, sorry, I remember some of you listening on audio. Bend your head down instead of changing yeah. out to the side. Uh, and and it hurts, but not as much, and you stop a goal. Yeah, that, which, I mean, at that point, we probably win it 2-1, maybe. I don't know if we even, you know, we might not even give up the last one, which, again, Guzan wasn't great, but people have to mark. Yeah, absolutely. Defenders, and, defenders and, and, have to, you know, Sanchez, I think Sanchez could have been closer to his man there. Yeah, Guzan charging off of his line on the last one perplexed me a little bit, but I suppose in that sort of a situation... Go instantly. Yeah, exactly. It's instinct. You go for the ball. You try to corral it. And, you know, watching in replay, you can go, oh, you should have stayed on your line. You would have stopped that. But nine times out of ten, I think the move he made was the right one. Yeah. Um, it was it was losing your man in the box that was the real error there. So, in reality... And giving I, away a corner stupidly. Yeah. 
after after five days of being able to think about it, Guzan gets full credit for one of those goals and maybe partial credit for giving up the other two. Yeah. I mean, uh, they, they were preventable, but it wasn't exclusively him who should have prevented them. So, I mean, yeah, not, exactly. definitely not his best day at the office, but I guess we just have to hope it's behind him. Yeah. Uh, the rest of the team, especially the midfield, though, the midfield played spectacular football. Yeah, and I think I think um, without Igban Lahore available, it's it was really a good alternative to playing with two strikers. I mean, Benteke, I think he's a little more comfortable with a strike partner, but obviously he can do it alone up top, especially when he gets some more support going forward. Like, And I think Grealish, I think we've really found his position is behind the striker or behind the strikers. Yeah, that, I mean, watching him play, you know, Man City have not been in the best form, but they are the reigning champions. They are a team that is unequivocally better than Aston Villa right now. And, even and they're very they're, good at home. Yeah, and even not in their best form, they're probably one of the top 20 teams in Europe. Easily. Uh, Easily. So the fact that Grealish just charges at them with no fear whatsoever just blew my mind. He just He doesn't care who you are. Yeah, it's incredible. I mean, maybe it's young naivete and just like, oh, I don't care. I'm out here to play football. And I hope he keeps that forever because it's it's one of his best assets. Yeah, as long as someone doesn't go with both feet diving straight into his shin right above the shin pad. But, yeah, no kidding. Uh, yeah, I think uh, that's been – that was Paul Embert's biggest mistake is not playing Grealish. See, I'm not sure about that because I'm not sure if Lambert had what it took to get the best out of Grealish. Um, I mean, but we saw him at the beginning of the season. And he he had the same fearlessness against Hull when he got three players booked coming on with ten minutes left. He did, but he was also more reckless against Hull. That's um, true, and yeah, his passes were misplaced, and you know, but yeah, the interesting thing about Grealish right now is the fact that he's playing smart, mature football for the most part. He still seems unwilling to take a shot. But he's playing mature football, like like we didn't see from him in his rare appearances under Lambert. Yeah, but that's I think his unwillingness to shoot again is just more trying to set it up for a better shot. Yeah, it it very well could be. Um, and he's he's playing really well right now, and I think a lot of that may be Sherwood, because if there was one thing we knew for certain that Tim Sherwood was good at, it's getting the best out of youth players. And he's done that with Grealish. Yeah, definitely. I mean, undeniable that. I mean, Sherwood came in. And he said, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna play Grealish." He didn't say, "I'm gonna start him right away." And you know, he didn't. But now he's now he's in the starting lineup. He fully deserves it, and he maybe was our best player on the pitch against yeah. Man City. Are you ready for the end of the uh, Kieran Richardson left back experiment? I am, but I'm not sure Sherwood is. You see, and like, to be honest, it hasn't killed us that much. And to be honest, he's good at making goal and clearances. Yeah, he is. Uh, you know, he he cost us a goal by leaning away from the ball on that on that free kick. Um, but he hasn't cost us a goal in a while from being a bad left back. He was just an idiot. That's what cost us the goal on Saturday. Yeah, just really just for about five seconds. You know. Yeah, like, exactly. He, I think he offers obviously more going forward than. Ali Sissoko. He had a good cross on Saturday. Yeah, he had a great cross. and He, he had one. I mean, if, if we're playing, now if we're playing 4-3-3 or 4-4-1-1, whatever, with, 
he's good combining down the left. Him and Delph have some good combinations. And I really, just because I think Sherwood likes fullbacks who can go forward, he mm -hmm. likes Bakuna. Yeah, I still kind of wish we were seeing Loughton there. I, it's not Sosoko that I want there. I was really impressed with Loughton's couple of matches at left back. Oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, that, that makes sense as well. And even, even though Loughton is very right-footed, he's been able to put in good crosses from the left side. Yeah, he was playing well at that left-back position. Yeah, it's, it's not Sissoko that I want to see. I want to see Loughton in that position. But I've moved past the point of just pure anger every time I see Richardson at left-back because it's not such a terrible thing right now. Yeah, I remember at the beginning of the season when Richardson was playing attacking mid. That was yeah. just weird. <laughs> I'm glad we're not doing that anymore. But Playing the Scott Sinclair role. Yeah. Um, so... Yeah, he's been better. Uh, Benteke didn't manage to get on the scorebooks. Uh, no, Saturday. and I was I was disappointed that he was constantly offside, mostly because we had one set piece and he was just offside. Yeah, like what? I don't know how you're offside on a set piece. That that's like screwing the pooch on a throw-in or something. Yeah, or like the goalie picking up the ball when it's kicked to him. I don't yeah, know. It was, yeah. It, very preventable, very dumb, and I mean that's that's really what cost him in being offside at the end when he was actually on. It was what yeah. happened to Balotelli. If you're offside all day, you're not going to get the benefit of the doubt. No, and and the call against Benteke was not nearly as clear cut as the one against Balotelli was. No, not at all. It was it was really quite close. Yeah, so he he was definitely onside, but it's not so egregious that we can all be outraged given the fact that he spent his entire day offside. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, if that had been onside, though, you have to give him a penalty for what Joe Hart did. Oh, yeah, and Joe right? Hart's off. Yeah, Joe Hart killed him. Yeah. Um, and Joe Hart is very lucky that that offside flag was up. Yeah. Um, so it, I guess yeah, credit it to, was, to Zabaleta for stepping up. Yeah. Had they used all three of their subs by then? You know, I'm not sure. Let me let me check that. Would, would they have had to put a field player into goal? Who do you think they would have put in? I don't know. Uh, it's not like they had Jekko the on the like someone tall. And Yaya Torre had been off. He's kind of a big guy. If your keeper gets sent off and you've used all your subs, you have to put an outfield player yeah, that's in. How, that's how Harry Kane ended up in goal. Yeah, yeah. Okay. This season. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Because I'm just because I thought there was some strange thing in like hockey where if someone gets a penalty you can sub in a keeper or something like that. Oh uh, well, Bonnie came on for Aguero in the 83rd, and that was, that, was, the... that was before it was two two. So yeah, that was their third sub. Oh because wow! Just two minutes later, Sanchez made it two two. We we could have seen an outfielder playing in goal. God damn it! I'm now less upset about losing the win and more upset that I didn't get to see that happen. Well, that also would have guaranteed us the win, I think. Yeah, probably. Uh, Benteke scores a hat trick in the final three minutes. Yeah, just because they're down to 10. And... Sees, it was like, sees his okay, chance to move up the scoring ladder. And I had a FIFA career mode where Spurs somehow, I don't know, they like Spurs have three good goalies, right? Vorm, Friedel, and Loris. And for some reason, they sold both Loris and Vorm and then... Friedel, like, retired or something, and they were left with, I don't know, somehow zero goalies. They must have signed one, but he got injured anyways. They kept putting Gareth Bale in goal, and then they got <laughs> relegated. And I was like, well, let's think about it. If 
you really only have one goal scorer. You can't afford to stick him in the net. I was like, okay. oh. <laughs> how, how is this happening? But it's hilarious. I, that is a good question. Who would have been the keeper for City? Yeah, okay. and then Gallimay. I don't know if you'd want to pull a center back, though. God damn it. Now I'm really upset that we missed that. Yeah. Th- who cares if we would have missed the penalty? Like, yeah, no kidding. Hilarious. We totally would have at least gotten a draw then. And yeah. we would have gotten to see a player in goal. Yeah, yeah. That's now goes down as my single biggest disappointment of the season. Yeah, that's that's sad. Anyways, oh, um, I mean, in addition to Villa not being able to even take a point, there were some really bad results around us and almost continued yesterday. Lester took the lead, of course, Marco Brighton. Just yeah. 10 seconds, with 10 seconds left in the first half in stoppage time. And then the day before, Hull beating Liverpool. I mean, yeah. Liverpool looked horrible. And then, yeah, Liverpool and then looked like, like junk against Hull. Yeah, and that's not even including what happened at the weekend. Yeah, exactly. I was gonna say, didn't we need something from Liverpool over the weekend too? And they also looked like, yeah, we wanted them to. I know they were against West Brom. Yeah, we could have used a win there just for the heck of it. Yeah, it wouldn't hurt. I mean, I think Stoke Stoke missing out on taking three against Sunderland. They just drew, and like I mentioned earlier, Burnley had the penalty, shot it into the post, and then Leicester go down and score. Totally undeserved, but they got their fourth win in a row. Yeah. Um. With the way Burnley have been playing and the way Leicester have been playing, we almost would have been better off if Burnley had made that and won. I think so, or even if it would have just – I think really a draw if they would have both mm-hmm. kind of screwed themselves. Killed because. a little bit of Leicester's momentum. Because I'm not sure how much losing to Chelsea will hurt their momentum. No, especially because they, they, they didn't play poorly at all. No. Because um, God knows we could use Leicester to start being bad. All of a sudden. Yeah, we, we really could now that they're just one point behind us and four goals better off. In, and in the charging up that table. I mean, uh, yeah, that's a four wins. Four wins in a row in the Premier League, no matter where you are in the table, is amazing. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, then to put up a fight against Chelsea, a Chelsea team hell-bent on winning the title, you know, with plenty of time to remain. It just they, they could have the title locked up with three matches remaining. That's incredible. Honestly, it's been over since October, but Oh yeah. Arsenal <laughs> made it interesting for a hot minute. Yeah, yeah. I mean I think Arsenal running off seven wins in a row and then drawing Chelsea, I think we're gonna need help from Arsenal in the in the last couple weeks of the season when they have Sunderland. Yeah, so we need them to keep up that form. I hope they didn't you know, lose all their steam. Yeah, they, they just need to run out of steam May 29th. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, which, which we need them. Today, yeah, that's a today good point. is exactly one month from the FA Cup final. Oh, wow. Uh, happy one month anniversary. So I, I guess I saw on official site yesterday that if you bought season tickets for next year, you could get entered in a raffle to win FA Cup tickets. So if, if anyone's considering buying you, season tickets next year to do that. Did you almost think about buying the season tickets, Jack? Just just on the off chance that you could get the FA Cup final ticket? Yeah, because selling that FA Cup final ticket would probably pay for the season tickets. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, God, I I would love to get to that final, but there's no way it's going to happen. Um, yeah, it's, really quickly, I mean, we should mention from City, Cleverly and Sanchez both opening their accounts for Villa. 
Yeah, and cleverly had a had a shot earlier in the game, missed, but great strike for for his first Villa goal. And I mean, I think if if City would have lost, Joe Hart would have taken all, uh, all of the blame because say say Benteke's on, he takes him out, sent off for that. Cleverly's goal was preventable. He's <laughs> rushing out, and then Sanchez's goal also preventable. You could make an argument again. I. Stepping back a little bit from my Guzan criticism from Saturday, but you could make an argument that if both of the keepers were playing, you know, at top form on Saturday, that that was a 0-0 draw. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. You Easily could make possible. a decent argument that the keepers were responsible for all five goals. Yeah. I mean, I don't think they they can shield any responsibility from those because... No. It was, it was a rough day for them. Yeah, so... I mean, talked a little bit about the bad results. Let's uh, let's move on. We had our writer Q&A this week was, after Saturday's loss to Manchester City, exactly how worried, if at all, are you about Aston Villa getting relegated? And I think everyone everyone really had kind of similar answers on how Villa's playing well, teams around us, unfortunately, also playing well. Yeah. And and so it's this this strange hybrid of they're playing well enough that we're not really worried but our breaks are going badly enough that we're all terrified. Yeah, and I mean, even if you play well, you could catch a couple bad breaks and, and For instance, end this up weekend. in 18th. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And looking at, looking at the relegation odds, I mean, QPR with Bat Victor, they're 1 to 100 to go down. That's, that's just atrocious. But, yeah. I mean, the uh, bookies think they're guaranteed down. I think Burnley are guaranteed down just because they've scored one goal in their last eight matches. Yeah. We were talking uh, before the podcast. I was trying to figure out the scenarios. A Burnley loss and a Villa win this weekend would all but guarantee that Burnley couldn't catch Villa. It wouldn't seal it, but it would be really close. Yeah, and uh, QPR also pretty close there. They're just yeah, absolutely. Out of Burnley. The math is a little dicier if you're wondering, you know, about relegation and who they can catch there. But really, all Villa have to worry about is just making sure we have three teams below us. Who cares where we end up? Other than that. Yeah, yeah, but like you were saying, if if we win and Burnley lose, we won't finish twentieth. Basically, that's yeah. what it comes down to. Exactly. Um, you know, two wins at this point gets us up to thirty-eight points. Um, Sunderland would be hard pressed to get there. Uh, Burnley would be hard pressed to get there. They need to win um, out. Burnley to would have to win out. Queen QPR would have to almost win out to get to 38. Two wins, pretty much secure. They'd have, they'd have to win out because if they get three wins and a draw, they'd be at 37. That's true. So yeah. They couldn't get to 38. They'd they'd get to 39. But yeah, no, that's a good point. So. Uh, Two wins right now would be kind of big. Uh, what do you think of this weekend's matchups? Uh, I mean, I, I'm just hoping for the best. I mean, the early game Saturday is Leicester-Newcastle, and Newcastle lost seven in a row. And like you said, I don't think the momentum is – Leicester's momentum is not going to be slowed, but they did have two players subbed off in the first half after injuries, and playing three matches in a week could could just wear on their squad. You know, everyone's going hit to hit a breaking point. Yeah, there's a little part of me that wants to say – you know, maybe have Leicester win here because if Leicester win and Villa win, suddenly Villa have a second team beneath them because Newcastle would drop below Villa. But yeah, jumping Newcastle. 
But I think, I wonder if losing to Newcastle at home would finally just stop this run from Leicester. That's a good point. That could be the point when, like, they reach that and they're just like, uh... The, the past two months aside, past month and a half aside, really, Leicester have been a junk team this year. And I'm not sure I totally buy that the way they're playing right now is how they are. I don't think they're quite as bad as they looked, but I'm not sure if they're nearly as good as they have looked in the past five matches. Yeah, exactly. Winning, so, you know, winning four in a row. No, their squad's not that good. Yeah. I mean, there's the outside chance that Newcastle could drop still be, if they lost out. But just looking at Newcastle's uh, run-in, uh, it doesn't look that likely. Uh, they've got at Leicester, then they face West Brom at Newcastle, then they're at QPR, and they finish the season facing West Ham at Newcastle. Um, yeah, no way you know, they end up losing, this, losing 11 in a row to end the year. Yeah, especially with that easy of a stretch to run it in. Um, so at this point, I'm not – there's a little part of my mind that goes, well, maybe Newcastle can make the drop, but I don't think that seems realistic. So I think in this weekend we want Newcastle to beat Leicester. I think so, just just because Leicester right on our tail and you'd rather – I mean, even though we'd want Villa to win and control their own destiny, sometimes it's easier if other people, you know, <laughs> just lose. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, if Leicester somehow end up winning, Villa kick off on Saturday in 17th. And that's scary just because yeah, it is. Sunderland, I have Southampton. I mean, it is, it's at Sunderland, so that's actually probably good. <laughs> Although, the last few times Sunderland have played at Sunderland, they've given up four goals. So yeah. <laughs> maybe we're okay with them playing there. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's what I mean. They're not really making Stadium of Light a fortress. Yeah, no. Uh, a pillow fortress. Yeah. Um, let's see. At Sunderland, their last three results have been a 4-1 loss to Palace, a 1-0 win over Newcastle, and a 4-0 loss to Villa. Um, yeah, that's, that, that Newcastle game's the outlier because Newcastle are terrible. But. Yeah, that's that's eight goals given up in three matches at home. That's bad. <laughs> And one so, of them they didn't even concede. Yeah, it's yeah, that's rough. Uh, so yeah, I think Southampton should be able to do it. Southampton aren't the team that we saw at the beginning of the season, but they're still playing for a European place, um, and they still look decent. I think they should be able to go to Sunderland and win. I think so, and at least a draw. But yeah, absolutely. And then uh, West We're Ham rooting for West Ham. Yeah. I God, West Ham stink. As long as they don't I'm lose so to Burnley, as long as they don't lose to Burnley, though, I think it's okay. Yeah, even if Burnley get a draw, that's yeah, not helping exactly. them much at this point. Yeah. Um, and and it's at West Ham. You gotta figure they pull out of their funk sometime sooner rather than later. Maybe they they take it out on Burnley this week. Yeah, possibly. Hopefully, and yeah. then then we'll have to wait till Monday for the result of Hull against Arsenal. Yeah, at this point, do you think Hull are safe? I don't know. I, th I think they could be, but they they still have a tough run-in. Yeah, that's the problem with them. Uh, they've done just enough lately to be able to maybe secure things, but, you know, if things break the wrong way, they they could easily lose out. I think um, so, yeah. I thought, I thought maybe they could end up like Norwich last year, but maybe it's not going to be that extreme. 
their one bright light is that on the ninth they get to face Burnley. Yeah, they and that's really if Burnley don't win this weekend, it's it's do or die then. Yeah, absolutely. And if Hull can beat Burnley, they're safe. Thirty-seven points is definitely going to be safe this year. And that really that really could help us on the final day if Burnley are guaranteed down. Yeah, absolutely. Well, if they have nothing. If we're not guaranteed up, they could say, "Well, let's go make sure that Villa go down." You know, like, God, <laughs> the fact that that match could still mean something is horrifying. But yeah, whole whole Arsenal, then Burnley, and then Spurs and Man United. Granted, three of three out of four of them are home. Yeah, but it is. That's just like us. We have three out of four at home as well. Yeah, absolutely, and. Uh, I don't know. I, I think this weekend could, could tell us a lot. If Villa can win and we finally get some results going our way, I think we all breathe a little bit. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's lately it's been if if we win, all the other results go against us as well. If we lose, well, they still kind of go against us. But yeah, uh, no kidding. If, if we just have them, if we just kind of have both, really, it, it could kind of it could kind of secure it because, yeah, like. If if Liverpool can just beat QPR, like is that too much to ask? I guess I don't know. Apparently, it's too much. <laughs> ask. But um, yeah, we forgot that. Yeah, Liverpool need to beat QPR. That's our other team that we forgot. Um, at Anfield, can Liverpool make anything of themselves? I don't know. Apparently, they're sticking with Brendan Rodgers, even though Jurgen Klopp is on the market. Maybe they're just giving up. I don't know. I mean. They're, that, still, that football they played against Hull on Tuesday was some of the worst I've seen all season. They're still just hanging on in fifth. Spurs go against City, so it's a tough task for Spurs to try to beat them for that EuroLeague spot. But yeah, um, yeah, I don't know. It's I don't know what's going on at Liverpool. A win or a draw from Manchester United eliminates Liverpool from Champions League contention. Yeah, I, th- I think they're not going to be able to make up seven points in four matches. Yeah, no. They, they yeah. They they would have to win out and United would have to lose out. Yeah. Uh for this to be a possibility. Uh and there's no way that's happening. Um so yeah, Liverpool, come on, beat QPR. Do something good for God's sakes. Yeah, I mean, no, we appreciate you lying back and giving us that win at Wembley, but oof. Step it up. Yeah, I, I actually looked at QPR most recently in relegation poaching, and I think they have they have the best squad of any team that I looked at so far. The problem is they're really just a bunch of mercenaries and don't really care about doing anything for QPR. And and as much as we may want to salivate over Charlie Austin, there's no way he makes it to Villa. No, absolutely. Which and is a shame. Yeah, two of their players, Mauricio Isla and Eduardo Vargas, they're both only on loan and going back to Juventus and Napoli at the end of season two. Those, I was like, well, they're pretty good, but then yeah. remember that they're on loan. Um, but anyways, next up will be Aston Villa because, I mean, it got a lot of comments. Oh, this is so rude. Leicester's going to stay up. You're going to be the one – or I'm going to be the one laughing when – whatever. Like, don't understand the, the point of the series, but – Anyways, uh, we'll yeah, I, I do enjoy that that people don't realize we did this last year, and you did Aston Villa last year. It's this is not us yeah. being rude. This is us looking at any of the relegation contenders and saying who might anyone want to take from these teams. Yeah, exactly. Like even if you're not a fan of Villa, well, maybe you're a fan of Liverpool and you want Charlie Austin. You know, 
yeah, this is this is not hubris here. We we yeah. are still worried about being relegated, folks. Yeah. Uh, but. Yeah. So yeah, you're going to be doing villain next week to show whatever. Oh my. My computer seems to have frozen. I was going to say, my internet, it, I don't know what happened, but yeah, if it was yours, whatever. Okay, I think think, uh, think we're back to normal-ish. It was mine. My apologies. Okay. I was just <laughs> hearing one one word every two seconds, and I was like, um... My internet uh, decided to die randomly. Yeah, um, I guess we're going to gonna move Twitter on questions? to Twitter questions. Yeah, and first one we got was... Where did it go? Uh, now that Benteke is back in form, who drives the dump truck full of money up to Villa and tries to get him? That was from at Democo, and I don't know. I, I saw him linked most recently today with Liverpool. Um, I don't honestly. I don't know if that happens. I think if if he leaves, he's going to play Champions League. Yeah. No, Benteke wants to go play for a good football club, and he's seen Liverpool the past few weeks. That ain't happening. Yeah, and. We just had just had an article too that I wanted to mention from Rory Skian, one of our new writers, and saying the his agent was saying Benteke's not thinking about leaving Villa, and that made me think, oh, he's as good as gone. <laughs> yeah, whenever you hear the the agent say that, it's like the dreaded vote of confidence from the board. I just never want to hear the agent say anything. Yeah, that that would be the best. Yes. Although I don't know, I feel like. I actually feel more secure in Benteke staying this season now that Sherwood is around because he's back in form. Everyone on this team clearly loves Tim Sherwood. Um, Everyone who's playing, everyone who's in, in the starting lineup every week. Yeah, I think they could see something building here. At least, maybe I'm projecting my own image on it because I can see a team that could conceivably challenge for a European spot next year. I don't think. Yeah, they and really I mean the the way they've been playing and actually picking up some results. Who knows? And and I don't know if Villa beat Arsenal, they will have a European spot, and that I mean that's got to help for recruitment. Yeah, absolutely. Especially with continental players, English players will think a Europa League spot is stupid, but continental players actually kind of respect their competition. Yeah, and Sherwood probably realizes just like in the cup. Remember how Lambert didn't take the cup seriously? He's like, well, maybe we can actually win something. Yeah, you know. Absolutely. I mean, as strange as it sounds, if Villa could somehow win the Europa League, they play Champions League the year after. Yeah, and, like, even if we crash out, you still get a lot of money. Yeah, absolutely. It's, I mean, it's unlikely, but there's plenty of things that are unlikely. Villa's run to the FA Cup final is unlikely, and it happened. Yeah. So why the hell not? Um, I mean, we, we won't beat Sevilla. They've been at the final, like, three years in a row, but... Yeah, if... Uh, but who drives the dump truck? Maybe Liverpool. Manchester United, I've heard bandied about. Um, I'm not sure. I don't know if I really like that idea. I, I don't think he really fits in there all that well. Depending on if, if Wolfsburg sell Kevin De Bruyne, I think he, he could end up there just because I've heard that mentioned. They're going to be in the Champions League. They're the second best team in Germany really by quite a margin right now. And I don't know. Yeah, could, it's... Could be a fit. I, I honestly think Benteke sticks around this summer. I, yeah, I do as well. But For the first year in a while, I, I actually kind of feel confident that he'll be here next August. 
Yeah, the, follow, the following year, no way. Yeah, no. I mean, unless Villa totally turn around and have new owners willing to dump money on him. Yeah. Um, it'd be great if he stuck around, but yeah, I, you know, I'd, I'd be okay with him leaving eventually, but I don't think it happens this year. Okay, and the next player, or the next question was from Tom at UT Villa. Which player, past or present, not necessarily a Villa player, does Grealish remind you most of? I'll, I'll admit, I had trouble with this. The best thing I could come up with was he reminds me of what I always wanted to see out of Stuart Downing. Yeah, and, I mean, Downing, good winger. I mean, I don't know if, if we'd play him behind the strikers, but Grealish kind of just moving there a little, little trickier, a little – a little more going forward and I think a little less crossing ability. I think what we've seen from Downing, he was a great crosser of the ball. Grealish, more of a dribbler. Yeah, absolutely. There's there's flaws in it. I, I was struggling to come up with someone, though. That that was the best thing I could think of. Um, it's admittedly very un- imperfect. Yeah, I, I came up with Mo Salah. Uh, just, I mean, we saw him come to Chelsea, didn't play at all. He's been doing really well at Fiorentina, I think. Uh, player, tricky dribbler, Pacey. Um, I mean, Salah has been scoring a lot of goals actually lately, but we haven't seen that from Grealish yet, but I think he does have the capability. You just and, wait, he'll do it. Yeah. And fearlessness really is what Grealish brings. I think a lot. And yeah, absolutely. So I'm actually kind of intrigued to see what UT Villa would say about that. So if, if you're listening, uh, do tweet us back and let us know who you think. And from Chess Suplex Red. We had last question, uh, Bakri Sacco of Wolves to Villa. There's been some places saying Timmy is targeting him. I think the Bermuda Mail did. Um, and Sacco, he's going to be out of out of contract with Wolves at the end of the year. And Wolves, although they had a pretty good season, they're not going to be in the promotion playoff in the championship. And Sacco, he's 27. Maybe he could come to Villa. Especially, I mean, if Villa can continue to get players on a free that actually do something, I think that's good. Yeah, absolutely. Um, He could help, I think. Uh, It would be nice to have another midfielder. Uh, The interesting thing is, whereas six months ago I would have told you midfield was our absolute number one priority, um, I'm not sure it so much is now. With Grealish coming in, Sinclair indicating that he wants to stick around, cleverly maybe sticking around. And Zogbia in a contract year, you know. Yeah, maybe Carlos Hill actually getting a chance to play a little bit. Uh, I'm not sure we necessarily need that creative midfielder as badly as we did six months ago. People have emerged who we weren't expecting to. Yeah, that's that's a good point. I think even with, with uh, Sanchez and Westwood, I think looking at a defensive midfielder or a central midfielder would be okay. Just because you, yeah. if, I don't know, worst case scenario, Delph gets hurt, you'd you need to have someone in there. Yeah. But the counter-argument to that is what you said. He, he would come on a free. Exactly. It's, it's not like you're using a lot of money on him, so it doesn't hurt to add depth. No. And then if, I mean, if you could then sell in Zogbia maybe or something, who knows? Yeah. Although if we're adding depth, I want to see 10 central defenders. Exactly. That, that's, what, that's what I want to see is, is um, with Guzan – not playing so well lately, given getting up there in age, maybe look at a goalkeeper and definitely look at central defense, even if we sign Vlar again. And I don't know, even you can always upgrade a left and right back. Oh, yeah. yeah it's not going to be cheap, left but left 
left back for sure. Yeah. I'd like to see us have a competent attacking left back, the, mo- the likes of which Tim Sherwood actually wants. I would love to see that. It really sucks that Bertrand didn't come to Villa because he's been playing so well at Southampton. <laughs> I was just about to say, you know, someone like Ryan Bertrand, but alas. Yeah, so, I mean, that was our Twitter questions for the week. Maybe put the tweet out at a, a weird time for everyone to have as many as usual, but uh, remember you can always send us your questions there or on Facebook, even if it's not on Thursday, we will remember them and answer them on the whole cast. But uh, yeah, we're going to move on to Everton this weekend. So it's at Villa Park, normal time, 3, three o'clock GMT, 10 Eastern, 7 Pacific, I don't know, 1 a.m. No. in Hawaii. <laughs> Keep going. What is it? Keep going. What about Fiji? Yeah, Fiji. Mm. <laughs> I thought you were going to do them all right there. 11, Everton, 11 p.m. maybe? Yeah. yeah. Everton, uh, you know, a month ago, this looked like a match we can win, and all of a sudden they pulled their heads out of their collective butts and suddenly realized, oh, yeah, we're a pretty damn good team. Uh, we haven't lost in six matches. Five yeah. of them have been wins. Reeled off four wins in their past five and a draw in between. Smashed just, Manchester United 3-0. Yeah. Despite crap. only having 35% of the ball, which is scary because it's like, oh, Villa actually can possess the ball now. Roberto Martinez doesn't care yeah. about that anymore, I guess. Yeah, this is exactly the type of match that now worries me. I feel like this is, this is prime candidacy for we play better than them and come out with a loss. Yeah, but one thing that that I am looking forward to, or that that's good for us, is that Everton are not good away from home. They've only picked up eighteen of their forty-four points away from Goodison Park. Yeah, and and that should help us a little bit here. Um, I don't know. It, it's a match that we absolutely should be able to win, despite their good form lately. Everton, on average, are not quite as good as they've shown lately nor are they quite as bad as they were when we were thinking they might be a relegation candidate, you know, if only at the fringes of that. Um, they're a team that Villa should be able to beat with the way Villa have been playing. Or at least at least be able to get a point, which still, just a point, but it would be huge, I think. Yeah, a point would be nice, and then we play West Ham, who are plummeting their way down the table the next week. Um, yeah, something there would be nice. I'm just not sure this is... This could be a punch-in-the-gut match. It could be. I mean... Everton have given us a lot of problems, I feel like, lately, and they could beat us 4-0. You know, yeah. it, it could happen. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and you can see that sort of thing just sort of brewing there, and it makes you wonder, oh, God, what's going to happen? Oh, but luckily we should have Gabby back, and he he likes playing against Everton. He scored the most goals against them, seven, more than any other opponent in the league. Yeah, uh, and, and having him back up top with... Nice. Um, you know, despite a one-match goalless drought, I don't think Benteke is done scoring for the season. Oh, with without a doubt. I mean, unless he gets sent off and then is not able to play. But um, yeah. it's actually some, some more history for you. It's going to become the first fixture in English league history to have been played 200 times. So, and it's, it's oh. been a really, really even series so far. 199 played, obviously. Villa, 72 wins. Everton, 74 in a draw 53 times. Wow. So, I mean, the two two ever-presence of the Premier League that people kind of overlook, I think, Villa and Everton, both obviously not top-four quality, but still a lot of history for both teams. Yeah, absolutely. Um, 
I'm I'm equal parts terrified and looking forward to this match. I'm going to be watching this through you know through my fingers. Yeah, <laughs> it's 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 a worrisome little thing. Um, and it, I mean, it looks like, I, it looks I like some more some more of our injuries are clearing up, which is always just good for depth on the bench. Yeah, uh, Alan Hutton returns to training this week, so he might be back. Um, although I'm not sure you necessarily need to replace Leandro Bakuna right now. Um, more importantly, there weren't any new injuries last week. Yeah, yeah, didn't didn't add to that list, but yeah, still having, having Clark out really hurts. It does, but Cinderose is is playing again. Um, you know, maybe Vlarna Cora will get over. Uh, whatever last week was, um, it's at least the injury news wasn't bad this week. Yeah, uh, I am worried about Everton's wingers. I have a tactical preview coming up today, well Thursday, I guess. Um, but Aaron Lennon on the right against whoever our left back is, and then on the left maybe Kevin Morales, Leon Osman. Um, yeah, just just dangerous guys. Yeah, absolutely. There's there's a lot to be worried about there. And for some reason, they seem to always score at least a couple against us. Um, Everton are just this team that, in my mind, will get a couple of goals. Yeah, you've got you've to imagine that they'll get, what, probably two? Yeah, I mean, you, you would think so. Uh, I know he hasn't been with them for a couple of seasons, but for some reason, it's just in my mind when I think Everton, I think Fellaini uh, scoring against us. I don't even yeah. remember if he did score against us while he was wearing the Everton kit. It just that is the image that comes to mind and it terrifies me. He he must have. He must have. <laughs> Who didn't score against Villa? I don't yeah, I don't know. It's it's all I just Googled it and it's him on Manchester United, but yeah, I think I think he did at well at Everton. I, I seem to remember him doing that. Um, it's goodness. But, uh, I don't know. It's, I, I really don't even want to say anything about this match. I know that's kind of lame from a podcasting perspective, but I, I'm so genuinely nervous about this that I haven't thought of it rationally. Yeah. Just because it's, it is a pretty huge game. And with, I don't know, Everton obviously underperformed the season. They have a great squad, mm-hmm. but they're not good away from home, which, it, I mean, it's it's got to give you a little bit of hope. But Villa haven't really been good at home. Yeah, no, I keep telling myself, uh, the reason I don't really want to think about this is because I keep telling myself that this is a match we should be able to win. And I know the moment I actually start looking at it, it's going to re- I'm going to realize that, no, this is the match that we probably lose. Yeah. Everton are the better squad. We haven't been great at home this season. Um it's the type of thing that Villa would do just to screw with us. Um, and I don't want to go into that negative thinking, so I'm just going to keep pretending that this is the match we should be able to win. Yeah, but look at look at uh, other matches that we should have lost, really. City, which actually, after seeing it played, we should have won. Liverpool, Spurs. Mm-hmm. We shouldn't have won those, but... Yeah. No, it's true. It's, so. it's not like they were undeserved. Sherwood actually has us playing good football, which is what you got to hope for, and I mean... I, I hope for at least a draw. Yeah, and, and I think that's something that's definitely attainable here. Um, I would love to see that draw. It would make me very happy. Yeah, a point, a point would be good. It would get us to 33, and really, since January, I've been saying I think 34 keeps you up. 
I mean, Leicester, yeah. they've been picking up points left and right lately. Even Sunderland got a few, but and maybe 34 won't do it, but 36 should for sure. And if we, yeah. get, a, if we get a draw, then we just need one more win of the last three. Mm-hmm. Absolutely agree. Um, before we go, Squawka just tweeted something about the Premier League's most injury-prone clubs this year. Yeah, I just, I just saw that. I didn't click on it. And I, and I, I'm sorry. I don't mean to like do this on air, but I just have to know where Villa rank. What was it going to be? Arsenal top. They're, they're always top. Manchester United are top. Manchester United, yeah, right. Slightly above Arsenal. Yeah. I'm just looking at the, the Twitter graphic. And yeah. then, what are we, 7th, 6th? That's shocking to me. We, I feel like we have to be higher than that. But, alas... Yeah, sixth is what it looks like for us. I would have assumed much higher than that. Well, alas. I guess only only sixth worst injured team in the league. So. Yeah. No. No kidding. Were you able to hear that music that just started out of playing? No. Okay, that's good. <laughs> I randomly got some like some music that sounded like Jack Johnson or something like that, like auto playing on Squawka's website. Man, uh, we need to stop autoplay. Everyone, stop autoplay 2015. Um, uh, yeah. But yeah. I, I've got nothing else this week. I, I, I'm so damn nervous about this weekend's match. But yeah, I remember um, my tactical preview will be out today. Alex's general preview will be out tomorrow, and we'll have all the coverage for you Saturday. Match. I do have one thing. I do have one thing I forgot to mention. We have a graphics designer working for us now. Um, and we actually get to show you uh, this week. The guy's name is Alvin Taylor, a uh, really, really cool guy. He is going to be designing match posters for us every week, like event posters, like boxing match type thing. And we've got the first one. It's going to go out on Twitter, Twitter and Facebook in just a little bit. Uh, take a look at them, retweet the crap out of them, share them on Facebook. I think they're really cool. I'm really excited that he's going to be working with us. Um, and that we're going to be able to do some really cool stuff with this. Um, and, and it's just kind of neat to be able to build up the hype around this match a little bit. Yeah, and with all the other matches in the future. And we did get a couple new writers too, so... Oh, yeah. Yeah, we've, we've got three or four new writers that you will be seeing regularly on the site, so be sure to be nice to them and welcome them in. But, uh, um, yeah, anyways, we'll have all the, the match coverage for you on Saturday. And remember, still on iTunes, Stitcher, Blog Talk Radio, YouTube... So, as always, for Robert Lintot, I've been Jack Grimsley. Thanks for joining us on the whole cast.